the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is risen. Uh, forgive me if I sound a little bit stuffy today. Um, I'm the one who needs to be healed, I guess. <laughs> I've been fighting uh, cold this week. In, uh, in years past... I have, uh, and I may have given this sermon here before, I forget, but it's good to review. Um, In years past, I have taken these six uh, Sundays of the Paschal season as an opportunity to um, uh, look at the, the... event of the resurrection itself through Pascha, the Sunday of Thomas, and the Sunday of the myrrh-bearing women, and then to look at baptism, since Pascha is a baptismal feast and this is a baptismal season, through the lessons of the paralytic, the Samaritan woman, and the blind man, all surrounding themes related to water and um, I don't think this is uh, wrong you know we come come to Pascha we shout Christ is risen from the dead we're carrying our our candles and uh, it's kind of this uh, ecstatic and exciting experience and then we come back the next Sunday and look at things from a little bit different angle look at the same thing from a different perspective that is the perspective from uh, uh, empirical evidence. I, I, you know, I'm not much of a faith guy. I need to touch and feel, right? And so we look at it from more of an intellectual standpoint, from the standpoint of uh, the need for empirical evidence. And Christ gives uh, St. Thomas that opportunity to come and touch the nail prints and put his hand in the side of the Lord. Yes, this really happened. And then looking at it then again from even another angle of the myrrh-bearing women and their complete and utter devotion to Jesus Christ from the heart uh, to go at the first opportunity that they had to anoint his body with oil, even uh, with some fear and trepidation that they might be arrested, even killed i mean who knows i mean this these were very troubling days and very troubling times and yet it didn't stop them in the least from doing this (coughs) but a couple of years ago i stumbled across a quote from saint nikolai in his sermon on the sunday of the myrrh bearing women He says that as they came to the tomb bringing the myrrh to anoint the body of Jesus, he changed their oil into the oil of gladness. Do you know what the oil of gladness is? The The oil of gladness is a very specific term because the oil of gladness is that oil which we anoint a person who is about to be baptized. 
just before we go, they are put into the water, they are anointed all over. You know, the, the Greeks smear them head to toe. You know, the, the, the Russians are, are, you know, a little bit more dainty, you know. Uh, and uh, maybe we're somewhere in between. I don't know. But uh, this, is, this is the oil of gladness. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. Before that, Jesus breathed on the apostles. And, well, maybe, and we breathe on the catechumen when they're about to be. Maybe, is this all about baptism? Maybe it's all about baptism. And then it just kind of lined up. You know, Father Alexander says, that our, that our paschal candle that we take and we light and we march around the church with on, on, on that uh, holy and glorious day is our baptismal candle. And what is the very first thing that we do at baptism? We hand them a candle. That's the first thing. We hand them the candle. And then what do we do in the exorcisms? You know, Jesus uh, came and appeared to the disciples and he breathed on them. He breathed on them and gave them power and authority in breathing on them. And in the same way, the priest breathes on the catechumen during the exorcisms, giving that catechumen that a person about to be baptized power and authority over demons over the hostile spirits now we don't always exercise the power and authority given to us do we sometimes we just set it aside i'm not going to use it it doesn't mean we don't have it it doesn't mean we don't it hasn't been given to us so there's nothing automatic about this. We have to exercise our will. But we are given this power and this authority. Next, we're brought in, and after the blessing of the waters, the newly, uh, 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 the, well, the uh, third lesson here, the ointment-bearing women came to anoint the body of Jesus. And the person who is about to go down into the water and die with Christ, is anointed for this holy burial with the oil of gladness. Because this is a glad death. Because we know that this death leads to resurrection into Christ our Lord. And then we come to the baptism itself. And we learn from these three lessons during this holy season that water is healing in baptism. That the, the, the paralytic was healed. And that, that the water of baptism uh, is a water that springs up unto eternal life. Living water as we learn from the story of the, the Samaritan woman. 
And finally, that the water of baptism imparts to us holy illumination. In fact, this is an ancient, ancient phrase and a, a title of the service of baptism. You sometimes you see in the books the, the sacrament of holy illumination. So just as the blind man received his sight, so we receive our spiritual sight and, uh, and uh, insight into the things of God through the waters of baptism. So baptism imparts unto us many other things, but we are reminded each year through these gospel lessons, healing and um, uh, living water, springing up into eternal life and holy illumination. So it's all about baptism, the whole thing, the whole 40 days. Today, we uh, focus on this particular lesson of the paralytic. I think... um, this uh, day, this, this sermon, this title could be called Jesus is the Man. <laughs> Jesus is the Man. Because the paralytics said, he's, Jesus said, do you want to be healed? He says, I have no man to take me down into the water when the waters are troubled. But Jesus is the man. He is the man. And you know, it's interesting, it's interesting to me, and um, I hope I'm not wrong in my, my speculations on this, but you know, he never went down into the water, did he? You know, it's, it's not the water per se is Jesus in the water? You know that the uh, what was that lesson during during Holy Week that Jesus was getting on to the the Pharisees, saying, you know, if you swear by the altar, what do you know which one, which lesson I'm talking about? He says, it's not the the cup, it's the altar on which the cup, the altar makes the cup. It's not the cup, you know. So Jesus makes the water holy. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's not the, the water itself. And I think that this lesson in some way shows that, that it's Jesus who is the healer. Even in, this, even in the story of the Samaritan woman, it is Jesus who gives the living water. I mean, it's not, I mean, we, we, we don't have some scene in there like Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade where, you know, he drinks from the cup and to eternal life. I love that movie, by the way. But, uh, it, you know, there was, no, there was no real moment there when she drank the living. Why? Because he's the living water. He is the living water. 
Even with the blind man, you know, although he did go and wash in the pool of Siloam, you kind of wonder at what point was he healed. You know, really, I think to a large extent going through this exercise was a test of obedience and faith. Will you do what I told you to do? And this is what St. Nikolai emphasizes in this sermon, is is the test of obedience and the test of of faith. Um, I suppose it could be argued that when he spit on the ground and and put the mud on his eyes, that's when he was healed. But, so am I arguing here that we don't need to be baptized and we don't need water? All we need is Jesus? No, I'm, I'm not arguing that at all. And here's why. Here's why. When the apostles, when Jesus appeared to the apostles after the resurrection, he breathed on them and they received the power and the authority. Except for one of them. Who was that? St. Thomas. And so the Lord gave him an opportunity to restore himself in a way. And when he appeared eight days later and Thomas was there, he reached his finger and put it, put it in the nail prints and he put his hand in the side and the scriptural commentators and the hymn writers tell us that when St. Thomas placed his hand in the side of the Lord that he received at that moment the same power and authority that the other apostles had received when he breathed on them. And I think for us, what we need to get that same power and that same authority is the water of baptism. That's what we need. It's a means. Means of grace, a means of imparting eternal life, a means of coming into union and communion with the Lord Jesus Christ in his glorified human nature. St. Nikolai says that the Lord healed this man for three reasons. The Lord acts on one hand out of sheer compassion towards the man who had suffered for many years, who has suffered so greatly in a pitiless environment. And secondly, he acts with deliberate intent that this act of compassion on his part should reveal the lack of it or not, uh, not only by the citizens of Jerusalem, but by all men at all times who see their neighbors in pain and will not lift a finger to help them. There's been a lot of speculation about what did Jesus mean and what was he really getting at when he asked the paralytic, do you want to be healed? And I think it's a good exercise um, for all of us to ask and, and Ask the Lord Jesus Christ and ask ourselves, do we really want to be healed of our infirmities and our sins and our shortcomings? Do we want to let them go and do we want to rise above them and ask God uh, to be given this grace? That is a good question. But 
It could also be said, I believe, that Jesus asked that question to the man knowing what the answer was, knowing that he had been there for 38 years. Are you kidding me? He doesn't have any faith. He's been there 38 years waiting, waiting for the opportunity to come in. He asked him if he has faith to show everybody else that the reason he hadn't gone down into the water was not because he didn't have faith, but because nobody would show compassion on him. And third and finally, the Lord deliberately heals this man on the Sabbath, although he could have healed him on Friday or Thursday or Sunday <laughs> if he had wanted to. He did it on purpose on the Sabbath to denounce the Jews' idolatrous worship of the Sabbath day and to show that a man is of more importance than the Sabbath and that compassion is more important than any sort of formal legalism or legal formalism, he says. And this action of Christ has a unique mark of God's way of acting, accomplishing many things at the same time. May our Lord Jesus Christ accomplish many good and wonderful things in our lives and in the life of the community of St. Athanasius Church during this holy Paschal season, Christ is risen.